Hello, and welcome back once again to the Inquisitor podcast with me, Marcus Kauke. Today, I have as my guest, Lee Nightingale. Lee is somebody who looks at what you're trying to achieve and identifies the value that's locked up within your CRM and then releases those features in order to help you scale and deliver the value you intended. So we're going to explore CRM, CRM hygiene, factors that cause it to work, to fail. We're going to explore questions you should have asked but didn't. And that might go some way to explaining why the last CRM you implemented, along with the previous two, didn't work. Lee, welcome. Pleasure, Marcus. Thanks for having me on the show. Great stuff. Lee, would you mind introducing yourself? Give us one minute whistle stop tour on your background, please. Definitely. My career started out in sales, which definitely helps, uh, in software, hardware, SaaS, working my way up through what's called the channel. So working for a, a reseller, a distributor, and then a vendor. So I've kind of a great experience there. Uh, product management, uh, et cetera, both new business and renewals. I've also, at the beginning of my career, been a call center operative. So I've done the 150 to 200 call attempts a day, manual dialing, selling to the home consumer. So I've done the tough jobs, worked my way through, and then moved across to sales operations and started to roll out CRM platforms and associated technologies uh, across a global business. I then uh, started my own Salesforce consulting business in the end of 2013 and basically use all that business acumen, sales experience to, as you say, uh, help our clients unlock the power of the Salesforce platform to help their business scale. That's an incredibly rich and varied background. Tell me, what's that range allowed you to do that specialists can't? I guess you know, speaking to that call center environment, because that's really, really harsh. I mean, it's it's the hardest job in sales, actually getting people interested. You know, all too often these days, you know, salespeople are sat there waiting for hot leads to come in, not necessarily realizing the hard work that's gone into to getting those. Uh, and so these SDR companies, you know, I have huge respect for them because they're doing the hardest job. So, you know, I feel that that gives me credibility when I'm talking with sales organizations that that I've started at, at the bottom. So it helps me uh, connect with those with those uh, SDRs, but also that sales career going through the reseller right through to vendor and all that channel experience helps me relate to salespeople, sales managers, sales leaders, and I guess have strong business acumen and an understanding of how a business operates from, from end to end and all the different components and processes, et cetera. So that, I think, really is, uh, is one of my core uh, key attributes. So I know this is going to sound like a really naive question, but it's worth asking a stupid question and look like a fool for a couple of minutes. For whom is a CRM built? Great question. Fundamentally and legally, everybody because of uh, the the data laws in this country uh, and and uh, across the world you know you have to be able to store data securely you can't just have it in spreadsheets and folders everywhere that everyone's got access to uh, in case you get get hacked so you have to have some sort of secure system in place 
to safeguard uh, information. So it starts right there, uh, recognizing that there's the one man band, you know, electricians, plumbers, etc., that that definitely <laughs> don't have a CRM. Typically, they tend to just use something like a QuickBooks or something like that to, to manage. So they've got something, you know, they had to go uh, taxman digital, so they had to go digital uh, in, in the end. But um, certainly for for businesses that that we engage with, the startups tend to go with something free or cheap because they recognize they have to have something. But the minute they're on that that rapid scale-up journey, that's when they tend to go for uh, one of the proper ones. Okay. And so if it's for everybody, how does everybody benefit from the information that should be contained within the CRM? I, I believe quite passionately that it's about recognizing that a CRM, I, I don't really like the, the term CRM, the customer relationship management, because it's more than just the relationship with the customer that you're managing from that platform. So I think that acronym's dead. Um, it's more, how you want to call it, a central intelligence system, central database, a central data pool, um, what, whatever. But recognizing that every every department in your business needs to be connected to that central source, whether it be contributing to the data or using that data. So having business units as silos with their own tech not connected to that CRM is not helpful at all because that's when you get the, the whole scenario, like when you call, I don't know, let's say your bank or, or your mobile phone provider and you think you've pressed the right button to get through to the right department and then you get told, oh, no, I don't have access to that data. I've got to pass you on to somebody else. Very, very frustrating. As consumers, we've we've become very needy at wanting to get our questions resolved quickly and get off the phone. You know, we don't want to be passed from pillar to post. So when you phone an organization, what you want to hear is, ah, hi, Mr. Nightingale, thanks for calling in. Just give me 30, 10, 20 seconds to brief myself on your account. Great. Oh, I can see you've got some case support cases open. Is that why you're calling today? Can I help you with those? You know, I've got your product history, what you've purchased. You know, how, how can I help? You know, you want that kind of response when when you phone an organization. And that requires everybody connecting and contributing to, to the data. So in that case, that begs the question: how do you convince executive management and the rest of the business that it's more than just a tool for sales? Um, part of it is uh, an education standpoint uh, uh, for us taking them through that journey of showing them what is a possibility. The unlimited budget, unlimited time type scenario, the utopia of what an all singing, all dancing system could be offering for them. But also the realization that that is a journey itself. You know, they're not going to get that tomorrow unless, again, they've got unlimited budget, but that's uh, rarely the case. Um, We also advise strongly on talking with your friendly clients and asking the difficult questions of how was that for you? That sounds corny, but we just went through a whole process of you buying from us. What did you enjoy about that? What didn't you enjoy? Given How, that disappointing is likely to be the response. If, yeah. it's like, <laughs> Do I need to give you a cigarette? Yeah. You know, sort of get get them to share the warts and all 
about saying and taking the people out of it. So, you know, because we don't want any kind of personal attacks on individuals. It's not really about that. It's about the the, the process because it just may be that the the person they engage with hadn't been trained in the right way or whatever for, for a million reasons. But really saying from you expressing interest or us getting you interested through to the delivery of that product or service how did that work for you? What would you suggest we change? How could we have done better? And I don't really, you know, I think there's certain scenarios where it's okay to send out a survey, feedback survey, but when you're early on in your uh, in your organization and, and growing it, it's important to do that age-old thing of picking up the bloody phone and, and talking to somebody and talking to Actually them. speaking to another living, breathing human being. Uh, I know, yeah. It's, um, it's a wacky idea but one that I feel quite Never passionate about. Never catch on. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get some SDRs to do it. Yeah. <laughs> they don't mind. So this then raises the obvious question. I mean, failure rates for decades have been in the 80 percentile mark. And you look at the quality of the data that's contained within most CRMs. Yeah. Um, and this is, a, this is a central tool upon which you're basing your hiring and investment decisions, your claims to the market and shareholders, and less than 20% of the data is even vaguely fit for purpose. That's an unintended consequence of something that happened further upstream. So what are the contributory factors that cause poor CRM hygiene and low uptake? Uh, Yeah, wow. I'll try to keep this one uh, under half an hour. Yeah. Essentially, the wrong person tends to own the CRM project. And it should be more than one, for sure, more than one department. But even then, you need someone that's uh, emotionally disconnected from it like a consultant like us that can see right across each of those departments and be able to manage manage the situation where you can say, okay, marketing, you're asking for this to be added to the system. Let me just explain that in real terms to, to you what that means and the likelihood of that field being used or also me asking you what's your intention for, for these changes? How is it going to be used? But actually, let me share sales aside let me share management's perspective because management are never going to look at that information so it's only you and if you if salespeople aren't convinced as to why they they are putting that data in they're not going to do it and you're not going to get what you want but also and this is where my cold face experience comes in i'm able to sort of sit down and look at that screen that they've got to put in and go guys time out you're asking way too much manual input they're spending too much of their time proportionally inputting data and not speaking to customers. And yet you're hammering them for not making enough call attempts and making enough sales. So we're able to sort of share that experience with them and say, okay, we've run reports around all these fields you've got. There's only populated data in X, you know, low percentage of records. It's not being used. Let's can it, get rid of it. We can get a data provider to feed automatically feed in and populate these fields, this fields. We can automate it through process flows, workflows, field updates, that that kind of thing. So we, we can sort of sit across all the departments 
and uh, yeah, help ensure that it's optimally set up for each department. Okay, so this then presumably means that you can't rush this. Marcus, that's such a great point. Whilst technically we could have a CRM system up and running in under two weeks, you know, the, the physical, technical act of creating new fields, getting the system set up, if we worked at it full time, likelihood is under two weeks. The reality of it is that they don't know what they don't know. And that's what we're there to help them uncover. And that takes time. And well, when we do our workshops to get to know the business, walk them through what's possible, start gathering the requirements, we break those workshops up rather than being sort of full solid days because what tends to happen is we ask lots of great questions and they don't know the answers and they need to go away and find those answers. So this approach of quick, 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 we need it done by the end of the month, all you're going to do is set yourself up for failure and and make us look bad. but the system's not going to deliver it and you'll just have another failed CRM project. Now, there's, it's okay to do a phased approach, but once we really fully understand, and we'll help guide you through that process of sort of saying, okay, all this simple stuff, let's get that done first. Let's get that adopted. Then we'll do the more complex stuff and the more complex stuff. Okay, so that iterative foundational planning process, who does that need to involve? Again, all, all departments, I think they, they should be in the strategy meetings and update meetings to, to understand where, where we're at in that journey because, so they don't get frustrated when they send a request in for us to do something and we sort of politely and professionally and respectfully push back and say, we understand, yes, okay, but that's not for now, that's in two months' time, for example. You know, you don't have to do all the explaining. So it's really important that each of the business unit leaders are connected to to the project uh, and are regularly updated with what's going on. Presumably that means for a project like this to work quickly and smoothly or as quickly and smoothly as possible, there needs to be common purpose at the outset in terms of why we are implementing CRM and the intended outcomes. Yeah, definitely. If it's just the CEO using the stick approach of we're implementing it because I'm saying we need to, it's it's going to fall on fall on its feet, you know, with, with the greatest respect. It has to have that buy-in from, from each of the different levels. And that comes from engaging with everybody. And that's where I feel I really do have the ability to relate to each of those different layers within the organization having come through that we really ensure that right down to the actual users they're involved right from the very beginning okay user one from the current systems and processes you've got today what's frustrating you what's taking too much time what do you really enjoy what's easy to do how would you want it set up for you you know, think start right there. I'm not saying they have to be involved in the process right the way through and in every meeting. That's not going to happen. But you've got to really engage with each and every individual that's going to be responsible for inputting and help help them feel heard and listened to. Ultimately, make sure that you're delivering value for them. So it's all right putting a load of fields in that the business wants. It's our job to be able to say, 
look, here's why the business wants the, the all these fields. However, how you can leverage that is by doing ABC and we'll create you these reports and dashboards, which will help you manage your territory and alert you if something is is at risk or whatever, whatever, you know, managing your time. You know, so we, we really try and make sure that uh, they understand why the business wants what it wants, but also that they're getting value from it. Okay. So again, a huge problem that I see in many businesses is a lack of alignment across the revenue operation. So marketing, SDRs and lead gen, sales, customer success, account growth, they operate in silos. When you're going through this foundational process, how often does it point to disconnects that are likely to create friction for customers? I would say in more than half of the cases, you know, because our, our scenarios are people already have Salesforce, it's just not set up correctly, or they or they're switching to Salesforce because their current system is is not delivering what, what they need. That disconnect, uh, go, I go back to my point about picking up the phone and talking to the customer. Because it's all right, you you integrating or or buying all these different platforms and tech for your teams to use, but if they aren't the way the customer wants to be spoken to, I can't say irrelevant, but not really optimum. So there's a whole different plethora of I think they call it omni-channel now is is the is the is the method. Do your customers prefer initially engaging with you on a chatbot, for example? through the website? Do they want to submit a form and, and get, get email responses? Do they prefer a phone call? Do you interact through Twitter, Facebook? Is there something embedded within your platform? There's there's so many different ways. And, and so you really need to understand before you go implementing all these different tech, this different tech stack, in which scenarios do our customers want to be interacted with in, in each of these different uh, channels? So what you're saying there is you need to understand the customer's journey and meet them at the appropriate point where they are, not where you want them. And that's what the CRM can give you. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Things like you can only get support if you call this 0800 number or and then you go through push this button for that and that button for this. And and invariably people get through to the wrong department and, and you're just creating a a frustrated customer you know there's there's a time and a place for pushing people to a knowledge base for example where you know that it's repeated questions where you can absolutely and categorically solve that problem without any human interaction because it's a simple common problem like hey i can't find this feature or how do i use this feature that should be you know you shouldn't need to pick up the phone with that but if you know something's broken or something somebody's not getting value from the product, you know that that's a different. You know that's that requires human human interaction. You know actually picking up the phone and talking. So that's when you need to ensure that things like whatever platform you're offering, if you start to look at things like last login date for the business or last login for a user, uh, are they using certain features, for example? or not using certain features and making sure that that's plugged into your R&D department, to your, to your support team, to your sales team, so that the right warning bells go off when those things are triggered. So if I haven't logged into a platform for 30 days or more, 
The likelihood is I'm not on holiday, maybe long-term sick, possibly, but more common is I've, I've stopped using the platform. So we know we should be alerted to that fact and somebody should be picking up the phone saying, hi, we're here to help. We can, you know, we've noticed you've, you're not using the platform. Is there, is there something we can help with? And, and, you know, take the conversation that way. Don't wait for three months and then pick up the phone and say, hi, do you want to renew? I know this is an area that you're really passionate about as well. One of the biggest acts of idiocy that I see is organizations not paying attention to retention. Yeah, when SaaS companies consider a 15% churn rate to be acceptable, it beggars belief when you consider that that means they have to replace 49% of their customers every three years. The pressure that that, that places on yeah. the top of the funnel, marketing, SDRs, sales, is immense. And it's expensive. So again, my question is this. Given that we know that a warm personal introduction inevitably has a much higher probability of conversion than focusing on the cold market and selling hot into your existing customers is the cheapest and fastest and most reliable way to grow your business. What can you do when you're implementing your CRM for the first time to ensure the emphasis is on retention and giving customers the outcome that they wanted? Well, uh, that is a massive question. Briefly, you know, you're, you're right. So, and the average is eight to 10 X spend to acquire new business versus retention. So you're spending way, way more on trying to find new clients than you are to retain those ones that are already paying you. Uh, it's, a, it's a similar story with the likes of our current TV providers. Uh, let's say I'm not going to mention any names uh, or cell phone providers where you see the adverts on TV where you get this amazing, wonderful deal if you're a new customer, but you don't get it if you're a paying customer. That really pisses me off. And that's the first swear word I've used on this uh, on this podcast and on any podcast. But I feel really, really passionate about that. It's, it's unacceptable. And I've been with my mobile phone provider for 15, 20 years, whatever. And why should a guy who's never spent a penny with them get a better deal than me? So when it comes to customer success, because that's what it is, customer success, making sure they, that they are happy in whatever it is, setting up that sales process purely for the new business is not going to work. Well, it works purely for the new business, for, uh, but then from a retention standpoint, making sure that you are creating the renewal opportunities there in the system, ready, ready to be managed by the right team. And I strongly recommend a customer success team to manage those renewals. Going back to what I mentioned about uh, if it's a subscription type platform of any sort, making sure that you've got that plugged into your platform so you know whether they're using it or not, when they last used it, how much they're using, and have all the right alerts and flags to be able to contact them. You know, this customer health score is a combination of several different metrics to ensure that if if that score does drop, that, that you act on it straight away and don't, and don't leave it to fester. Regular contact with customers just to say hello, even if it's just a couple of minutes on the phone. We're here to help. 
you know, you haven't logged any support tickets. We hope everything's going okay. Do you have anything we can help with? If the answer is no, that's wonderful. Just wanted to let you know we're here. Um, you know, that, that goes a long way. You know, you're not picking up the phone trying to sell to them every time. Well, it strikes me that the level of sophistication really warrants probably a year to 18 months to bed in the bulk of everything that you need. You might start out small, but I think it's more realistic to look at around an 18-month bedding in time from what yeah. you're describing. Yeah, because you know you, you think about you've got the whole demand generation engine, which part of that is marketing, which part of that is marketing automation, your website, social interactions and all the rest of it, getting that into your CRM when it's appropriate, having lead scoring and all of that kind of thing and making sure the content you've got on out there on the ether is tagged in the right way with the right campaign codes and lead source and uh, right lead score, making sure that that SDR, BDR function understands how to qualify stuff correctly in the system and out of it, when to pass it on to sales, when it should be converted into an opportunity, how that opportunity gets managed, forecasting pipelines, sales reporting for sales managers and for the board, et cetera, integrating your support system into it as well, finance data, you know, so that pushing that beyond, you know, beyond sale into the finance and then also the delivery of product or service, so product product management, uh, project management. There's so many different areas that that it can and should support the business with. That again, you know, unlimited time and budget. If you wanted to throw six months at it, yes, you could probably do that, but it would be like getting a not just a bucket of mud and throwing it at a wall. <laughs> It would be a swimming pool of mud at a wall. Very little of it is going to stick because it would be very, very overwhelming to the business. And ultimately, the people that would suffer would be the customer. So this then raises the nauseatingly uncomfortable question. Who should ultimately be accountable for the success of the implementation of the CRM project? Historically, we've seen marketing try to own it on their own, fails. Historically, we've seen see sales trying to own it, and then it becomes just a sales tool. Management try and own it, and they just don't have the capacity to do that. So they all need to be involved, and they're all decision makers and stakeholders in it. But really, sales ops, you know, the people that are responsible for operational efficiency within within the business, I, I think is they it should. Just sales ops, or is it operations? Yeah. From what you've described, it sounds like it should sit in operations ultimately. Yeah. And if you're building it with the customer in mind, the CS function should play a significant, if not the leading force in that as the advocate of the customer. Yeah. And I guess the, you know, the, the terminology sales ops is just one that is out there where the majority of businesses have a sales ops per person, but in the reality of it is, is they cover operations across, across the board. You know, if you've got a COO, then probably you're a quite a large, you know, medium to large organization that warrants having that, that kind of function, but operations, yes. And that should cover literally the full end to end 
cycle of your business, everything that happens from how you generate interest to people being interested through to the processing of cash and the the delivery of the product or a service. So that isn't sales ops, that is full end-to-end operations. Right, but if, if I'm getting this correctly, then what we're really looking at is how do we get the customer, the end customer of whoever the user of the CRM is, to improve their adoption and consumption rates? How do we improve their retention and renewal rates? How do we maximize wallet share? How do we help them achieve their strategic objectives by partnering with us? So all all of these factors seem to come back ultimately to the point where there is the greatest interchange between the vendor and the customer. And presumably that would have to be customer success or operations on a day-to-day basis. Yes, yeah, agreed. Uh, and it's not it's not a plug because there are many many hundreds or thousands of CRM consulting companies out there for people to choose from. But I would strongly recommend en- engaging with with someone like us because we can sort of come out of the weeds of, of the business. You know, we can we are able to see it from the ten thousand foot view or whatever acronym or comment you want to use where we can help help you see things that you may not see because you're you can't see the wood for the trees because you're in it yeah you know what i mean yeah I, I would strongly suggest engaging with someone like us until you get to a point where you can have your own crm success team you know there's many organizations that are creating those departments where they recognize that crm and associated tech is the core core of the business and how it transacts and operates and therefore they are investing in those uh, centers of excellence i think they call it building on this then because it's it sounds like well it, it's fairly obvious the crm doesn't exist in isolation it's a central hub through which information is shared and collaboration is enabled so that you can get the right resources at the right point in the customer's journey to have the right conversations with the right people in the right way. So it's an orchestrational choreography machine, making sure that all the right moving parts are moving together smoothly. And you can't do that, Marcus, if you're not listening to those customers, if you're not picking up the phone frequently to to understand, are they aligned? Have you aligned the way your tech and process and people do what they do with how those customers want to buy. In the companies I'm working with, our head of engineering has to meet the customer at least once every quarter. Because, and so, you know, they will have a series of those conversations because the way I want the product developed is in partnership with the customer. And like you said earlier, making sure that we're not producing an elegant solution to a problem that doesn't exist or only exists for one uh, one customer. I've got a very good friend of mine who heads up or works within a a tech platform where it embeds itself with your your platform offering and it will show you warts and all what people are actually using and not using 
functions, buttons, options, whatever it may be, so that you, you can truly align yourself with uh, and uh, your R&D and developing the product with the fun- features and functionality that people are using and not waste time and money and resources developing stuff that people just aren't bothered about. Yeah, it's so important. I mean, th- th- this is why you have to have executive conversations. Marketing needs to be speaking to the customer. The product development team needs to be speaking to the customer. The product managers need to be speaking to the customer. And it's a team effort. Sales is the conductor. Most of the, when, when you get to this level of uh, sophistication, sales becomes more of a project management function. The selling is maybe 10, 15% of the time. The rest is driving discretionary effort on the part of your own organization, your partner's organization, the customer's organization. The funny thing is, Marcus, you know, more and more businesses I engage with, you've got salespeople that don't actually want to sell. They want to be only having conversations with people that are ready to listen to them. That's not selling. That's practically order taking. It you is. Know, yeah, you know, you've order got... Order taking and zookeeping. Yeah, you know, they, they're waiting on inbound calls and leads or they're bitching and moaning at marketing because the outsourced demand gen agency aren't providing enough leads, uh, warm leads to them, and they're not doing any hunting themselves. Well, again, I think there is a really important question to ask, which is, given all the technology that we've spent our money on, all the training we've spent our money on, all the money we've spent on recruitment and the revolving door, of replacing people who don't work out. Why are we not asking better questions? Why are we not asking questions like, why do we insist on selling cold instead of hot? If we could only ever sell into a hot market, instead of trying to do all the expensive brute force, spending eight to 10 times as much to double or quintuple the length of my sales cycle and reduce my conversion rate by a factor of 12 to 20 times, Why are we not spending our time working on systems to create hot prospects? That's the holy grail, Marcus. But the reality of it is, I think if you've got your systems aligned and you've got all the right data points and people understand why it's important to input certain data points and you only make certain fields mandatory and help people understand the benefits of doing that, i.e., being able to turn that information into actionable campaigns where you're understanding why you're winning and losing. So it's winning and losing, not just losing. So you can shout more about why, why you're winning. In what industries are you most successful by average order value? In what industries it has the shortest sales cycle for you? So using just those data points there, there's only four, uh, you can transpose that into targeted campaigns to 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 that that's your hottest potential if you like unfortunately i think what what happens is most people get driven by shareholder greed for that rapid growth and it's more like a let's just go out to everything let's just go rah and shout about what we do and hope that somebody hears us then what you're doing is you're playing the law of large numbers which is that you're only marginally better than the broken clock. You know, your average SDR is spending maybe three minutes a day having conversations with people that they're phoning. That's an incredibly 
inefficient way to spend 480 minutes a day. And it's soul-destroying. And it, you know, if you're not using the technology that is available today and in order to sift out that dead work, if you're not building a suitable tech stack that hasn't been built on the back of shiny object syndrome and you've not added complexity, question that's really important to ask is what's the minimum tech stack that we need in order to enable our salespeople to do their best work every day? Yeah, for, for, for sure. Uh, and and I, I would say that I am an advocate of outsourced SDR capabilities, primarily because it's a different different type of person. They require different managing in a different way. The tech stack is different. And sometimes you want to switch it on and you switch it off. And you can't do that if you've got employees. The churn rate you know, of employees within that industry I'm not going to say it's high, but it's certainly higher than if they were an employee. So there's lots of different, lots of different challenges with trying to perform that that outsource that SDR function internally. You want to hire people that can get you going now rapidly without you having to have that ramp up. And I think if you do engage with with an outsource SDR company, what you'll find is they'll ask you lots of questions that you find difficult to answer, which means you don't know the answers. And if you don't know the answers now, straight off the bat, when they're asking you, it probably means you're not training your current salespeople the right way and giving them the tools they need. Because these SDR people are like, they want to know everything. They want to know what's and all, what's good, bad, objection handling, key target markets. They'll ask you loads of really tough questions that you're going to need to answer before they'll start your campaign. And it really does open your eyes going, wow, actually, I really did, didn't know that. And perhaps we haven't given our salespeople the best chance today. Well, I mean, sadly, we've come to the top of the hour because we can talk for hours <laughs> and, and there is so much to unpack here. I Certainly for the audience, I hope you found this useful and insightful. And I'd love your thoughts and questions for both Lee and myself in terms of you know, the challenges that you're facing in terms of selecting the right partners to work with to implement your CRM, why you're rushing instead of taking your time. I mean, this is probably the biggest investment you'll ever, or the most important investment you'll ever make in your business. And you're rushing it and you're putting it in the hands of the wrong people. You're not speaking to enough of the right people. So we'd love to hear your war stories as well. Lee, tell me this, you've got a golden ticket. And you can go back in time to whisper in the ear, ear of the idiotly aged 23. What one bit of advice would you have given him that you know he'd have ignored? Wow. The key one, and I, I wouldn't say I was lazy back then, but clearly you are still naive, I think, at, at that age. The main one would be get off your ass and get out there and try lots of different things, not just personally, but but from a, from a work standpoint, um, get yourself a wide and varied experience. Listen is also a, a, a massive one. You don't know it all. You know, even if you've got amazing ideas and ways that you think that something could be done better, you're still early on in your journey. So use it when people are sharing their experiences, you know, when they are more often than not considerably older than you, they've gone through it. And so 
learn from that. And it's not going to say learn from their mistakes, but that's really key, valuable information that, that you can use throughout, throughout your career to sort of expedite getting you in with, with a good company. Really good advice. And that stuff about the range is really important. When you have a broad range of experience, you can pull on that and you can start making connections that someone who is a specialist can't. So it's really, really important to get that uh, broad exposure. Yeah. Specialize later. And broad teams made up of a broad range of experience and background, socioeconomic, uh, race, uh, gender, orientation, history, education, tend to come up with much more creative solutions than people who are specialists. So that's really good advice. My next door neighbor's kid, just to, to finish off there, uh, 17 years old. He's been working with me for the last three weeks and he's been performing, I wouldn't say the, the full outbound SDR functionality, but he's been doing pre-qualification. So researching, he's been like a researcher and an analyst, if you like, finding targeted companies based on certain key criteria of where we want to go after uh, and finding a way in. And it took me a couple of hours to train him and, and he's produced wonderful results. But there was that hunger and desire from him to want to do that. And he sat there and listened. And if and he if he got stuck, he immediately asked a question, took it on board and carried on. Um, it's having that kind of ability because this is for another day, but I don't believe our school education system prepares kids in any way, shape or form for work. No, absolutely not. And that's a, that's a, a very long round table on that one. <laughs> yes. And what would you recommend people read, watch or listen to that will maybe give them a better understanding of how to create the right conditions? Oh, my goodness. Um, I, don't think, I don't think I've got any books or anything uh, with regards to CRM. And there's uh, an absolute plethora of, uh, of information available on the internet with regards to the key questions what, you should be asking for what CRM. What about the mindset? Going into a project as complex and important as this with the right kind of mindset? I don't think there's, uh, there's, there's anything generic out there you can because every business is different and your needs are different. Um, so reach out and ask, find a consultant, invest in a couple of days with them. Um, that's all it will take you know, to, to sort of help make sure that you get off on the right track. So the age-old adage of a ship starting off one degree in the wrong direction on its journey the likelihood is you're going to miss your destination. So engage with a specialist who knows that can at least get you off on the right track and say, right, just you're going to start this project. Here's all the key things you need to go off and research. Even if you're not going to engage with that consultant again, at least they've kind of put you off on the, uh, on the right foot. Excellent. How can people get hold of you? Yeah, easy. Lee at connectingbusiness.co.uk through LinkedIn. Uh, you find me, Lee Nightingale. I'm uh, working with Connecting Business Limited. I don't really want to be shouting my mobile number out because I'll probably end up with a load of SDRs ringing me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Lee Nightingale, thank you. Appreciate it, Marcus. Stay safe. This is Marcus Kauke signing off once again from the Inquisitor podcast. If you've enjoyed it, then please like, comment, share, and tag someone who would benefit from it. And if you feel the urge, leave an honest review on uh, your favorite podcast channel. In the meantime, stay safe and happy selling. Oh, and if you want to get a hold of me, Marcus at laughsightandlaughs.com. Bye-bye.